long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for a bandit the size of a tangerine. So we went looking for the local government. In six months, I saw a tangerine the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been the tangerine. So we're, we're doing a kind of a special this time, right? Yeah. Something, something a bit different. Um, where going in, we already knew what we were talking about, what each other was going to bring up, rather yep. than just hazarding an accurate guess. Um, so yeah, so we're... And as... as People can stop complaining about my audio now because I have a proper microphone. <laughs> you actually did get the microphone, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're doing... Uh, we're talking about Batman. All things Batman. All things Bruce Wayne. Indeed. Um, and Gotham and everything and anything else associated with it. Um, so, because we've kind of been looking at... We, you know, we'll take a topic and we'll look at it and we'll go, oh yeah, we want to talk about setting or we want to talk about good guy bad guy story arc whatever but some franchises are big enough that they kind of are their own self-contained thing that they they generate a lot themselves they become a genre like yes yeah like there i was saying earlier about the james bond movies um there, there is a movie genre which is just james bond and sometimes you see another movie and go oh good these these guys are just doing a james bond movie that's kind of fun yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, there's there's the whole thing in any action RPG game where it's the Batman paradox is that the longer the game series goes on, the closer your character becomes to being Batman. That's it. If anybody has throwing weapons, that's a Batman character eventually. And a grappling hook. <laughs> yeah. Can blend into, into their surroundings, can sneak up on 20 men at once and take them all out in, like, a, in a slow-mo quick-time fight scene. Like, that's pretty much <laughs> Batman, so... Um, yep. But yeah, so we just kind of we just wanted to talk a bit around the the different what we like and what we dislike about how Batman is treated in both film, well, in in not just both, but in, in film, in TV, and in gaming, and um, the comics, and and I think the mythos around him as well. Like it's it's a it's an interesting character, an interesting world, and there's no one defining uh, there's no one defining thing you can point to and say. Well, obviously, the movies are the the backbone of this. Obviously, the these comics are the backbone of this. It is now evolved into its own mythos. And that's the thing; it's it's a weird thing with the comics. So, Batman consistently shows up on the polls of favorite superheroes of all time, and then you invariably get somebody going, you know, pushing their glasses up their nose, going, "Well, actually, he's not a superhero because he doesn't have superpowers. He's just a hero." <laughs> um, and then you kind of feel bad for that person because they're probably never going to have sex with a woman. And, yeah, you know, um, stereotypes aside and all that. No, but it's, I mean they've obviously. I'm sure they've got a lovely Nightwing body pillow that they they snuggle up to in the evening. <laughs> but no, it's 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 that whole thing of yeah, he isn't technically a superhero. He falls under the category of of um, of Iron Man and that where it's or Green Arrow where it is not a superhero so much as sociopath with billions. And yes, it, it's you know it's and preternatural abilities. No, but that's all uh, honed through. I mean, when you're a billionaire and you can hire the best in the world to train you 16 hours a day, yeah. it's you know th- th- this is this is what will happen. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, he consistently shows up on the top list. You ask most people, "What's your favorite superhero? What's your f- top five superheroes?" Batman shows up there consistently. Batman comics are one of the lowest selling groups of comics produced. Really, just people don't get them. They don't buy them. 
The graphic yeah. novels are quite popular as gifts um, because they're it's if you know someone's a diehard Batman, you know Nolan film franchise fan, and they've loved the Arkham games, you yeah, know yeah. you can go out and get them. Uh, the Killing Joke, Killing or Joke, the Parliament of Owls, or whatever that one was called. Um, the what you call Long Halloween, um, Year One, all these like and like great series, and then give them to them, um, and they're able to look, read them and kind of go, wow, oh, so that was the influence for this bit of the film or this bit of the game, or and that's all great, but. For some reason, like month on month, it just doesn't sell that well. Just, mm, I could absolutely believe it. Um, it's a weird one because I think it's just, um, I don't know. It's like there's so, there's such a like I, I've seen people be disappointed when they get a Batman comic if they start collecting it because a lot of the comics nowadays aren't about Batman or about Batman and his extended family of seventeen sidekicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's all adopted at some point. It's Batman Incorporated, Incorporated, baby. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, it's it, it's a weird one, like, but yeah. So it's it's a different. It's an interesting one to take a look at. Um. Uh, as I didn't grow up reading the the Batman comics, and I didn't grow up reading any comics, but I I did every so often get one. It was the kind of thing that, uh, as a as a weird little alt kid. Somebody would eventually was like, "Well, can we get Johnny?" But we can't get him a football. So someone would eventually just give me a comic, and it would be Spider Man or Batman or something. Hmm. And I remember being given ones that like dealt with deep psychological issues, or that like dealt with death and dealt with all this. And read them, going, "I don't quite get the tone of this. I feel like I'm coming in halfway through a conversation that wasn't meant for me." Yeah, uh, there was some very weird stuff going on in the Batman comics, even even just in the publication comics. But having now, as an adult, gone back and read all the popular ones, read all the the um, year ones and long Halloweens, yeah, uh, I, I can see why he would be a lot of people's favorite comics, uh, comic book characters, just because he is a fun character to deal with certain things. Like if if other characters, and I know they have done it, if Spider Man suddenly has to deal with um, really heavy shit, it feels like a tonal shift for a couple of comics, and you might lose some fans. But with Batman, it's nearly built to do that. He's built to do those weird, jarring tonal shifts. Yeah, and and when inside DC, um, he's unique in that the majority of DC heroes are. So it's so Marvel is regular people with the being elevated to gods. Yeah. DC is gods trying to live as regular people. It's a good way of putting it. And. That's why I think a lot of the time people don't identify as easily with the DC lineup. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not Spider-Man, a regular neighborhood. It's built into it. You know what I mean? It's He's an average guy and something extraordinary happened to him and then this happened. Yeah. Or it's, it, or it's, um, whereas like if you, you know, if you look at the likes of, oh, Green Lantern, yes, he can fly through space and can create anything with the power of his mind and is allergic to the color mm. yellow. It's like, well, oh, okay. Not, not very relatable. No, no, not, not particularly. Um, uh, that, that makes sense because I know that Batman has come from the, uh, the kind of legacy of things like Sherlock Holmes and things like Zorro. And the Sherlock Holmes one always made sense to me. He is like this um, uh, Prometheus-style character who's bringing down otherworldly knowledge. Like when, when Sherlock Holmes speaks, he's drawing from a well of knowledge that seems to be just outside of reality it doesn't make sense whereas Zorro is very much you know he is a human who's just like 
donned a mask and is doing some weird shit, shit and is kind of having fun with it. And to me, the style is Zorro, but the Batman character was never that kind of... He was never that human. No, it's... And, like, probably the most human of the the Justice League lineup um, Mm. in the comics would actually be more like the Flash. So the original Flash, not going back to the whole Silver Age comics and all the rest, where they had the guy with the fucking Mercury's treads on him and the, the... and all the rest, like, but the, the the first kind of red suit with the lightning bolts, um, mm. Barry Allen. He was a forensic scientist working for the police, right? And then when he became superpowered, there was the whole conflict, similar to what they did with Daredevil. Of, but I meant to try and uphold the law. How do I become a vigilante? It, there's a conflict there, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, but then the most recent version of him, uh, Wally West, the kind of like. He's the third one. He's not the most recent. They've done other ones, but he's kind of the one to keep bringing him back. He's the one who's the most popular. He's the one who shows up in all the, the kind of the what's considered like the probably the best run of JLA in a long in decades, which is the Grant Morrison mm. run. And he's the one in the um, in the uh, Bruce Tim uh, animated DC uh, DC universe. He's right. um, he works for the works with the police as well, but he's a mechanic. Right, right. He just he's like he basically works on the um he works on the the patrol cars when they come in off shift. He just gives them the once over and you know, uh, that needs a service grant. So he's he is the average guy, yeah, who has become empowered. So he is like he's almost like their Spider Man, but there is a very kind of real, palpable kind of down to earth sense. Batman doesn't have that, even though Batman is meant to be the guy who like particularly um. It was Kevin Conroy did it very well in the in the animated series where, when he's meant to be Bruce Wayne and he's acting all kind of casual and oh yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah like you know and he's not all dark and brooding, um, which I also think Val Kilmer did a fantastic job of. <laughs> the Schumacher films are terrible, but I actually think he did a really good like uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, I think you I'll, I'll give him ten Batman points as well for being the first guy to lift a few weights to. To, to actually play the role, yeah, yeah, to actually get big. Although you know, Adam West did that. He didn't need molded plastic to <laughs> to complement his fatigue. It's pure West, pure West. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, but but the like that kind of affable character, and mm. there's even bits of it in the Nolan trilogy. You know, the whole like when he buys the restaurant. But but it's like the sorry, it's when he's like climbing in the fountain because he's got the two young ones with him and he's meant to be drunk. And you're yep. like, yeah, that's funny. But he's like, oh, I'm buying the restaurant. It's like, well, you've immediately lost any identification I had with this character because he's yeah, just yeah. flashing his billionaire dick around the place now. It's like, yes, look at my solid gold wang and get out of the way, peasant. <laughs> it's, you know. It, I think I think Nolan wanted that, though, that it wasn't that he was trying to be the playboy. He was trying to be the dickish playboy that everybody hated and wanted to avoid. And he's like, that's what I want. Yeah, because then he won't get invited out to things. And then he yeah. doesn't have to turn down social events and stuff. And that makes sense. The but you know and it does like batman well a great character and you can look at the whole thing of he's an uh, he is a regular person who has just the money and the time to yeah. perfect his, it's, himself physically and mentally but at the same it's time, hard in the in the animated series when you see him literally on a, a space station on an ivory tower staring down at the earth and you're like man you've lost you've lost any semblance of like connection to the people below you yeah but the majority of the time it's just it's you know it's a billionaire beating up the hobos of gotham city like <laughs> it's, i mean like, yeah let's not dance around that part of it but 
but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird thing. It's that he is probably the most liked character um, in DC. A lot of people find DC quite hard to get into from a like a readership standpoint, uh, like for the kind of the main Justice League group. I think once you get into it, the Grant Morrison one is done quite well because the, they're more kind in, of in, a lot of the in characters terms of, in it are more natural. They're more kind of we've just gotten these powers. We don't know what we're doing with them. Yeah. In terms of visual style, and I know this doesn't map one to one, but if you're looking at them as a pantheon of gods, uh, teenagers and like young adults stuff like that, anytime you look at a pantheon of gods, your eye is drawn straight to the god of death. If you're looking at the Egyptian pantheon, you go straight to Anubis and his jackal head. Hmm. If you're looking at the Greek gods, you might look at Zeus and stuff like that, but you'll find Hades and Ares. You'll find the, the badass guys, the guys who wear metal and lava. Hmm. Like if As you glance across... The, the Zeus of Superman and like the, the hair of Wonder Woman and everyone like that, you're going to end up on Batman and going, I know that's not what he is, but he's functionally, the, invisibly, he's the god of death. Oh, he's yeah, the, yeah. They the play dark into that figure. Like, if it's more in the comics than anything else, but there is a whole thing in the Grant Morrison. So, the Grant Morrison JLA run, before we go into like the, the specifics of like film, TV games, I would mm. suggest there is like a list, and we'll post it probably with this. I, I should remind myself to do that when we go to post it. But mm. there's a list of standalone Batman uh, novels I'd recommend for people who are kind of interested, who have grew up on the cartoon series and have played the games and have watched the films, but have never don't know how to get into the comics because it's such a big catalogue. I'll yep. put, put up like three or four good graphic novels that can just that are great for just kind of yeah, these are like little kind of you know it takes you an hour to read them, but they're really solid entertainment. Um, a lot of ones that influence the films. Um, but the, for the Justice League, because Justice League and Batman, Superman, and Justice League have kind of put a lot of people off the concept of it. Grant Morrison mm. did a run of them. Um, he started it, and other writers came in and out over the years, and it ran for 10 years. It was 120 issues. And it starts off with the class, with like the kind of the base seven, because there's usually seven in the, the starting lineup for the Justice League. And it's Martian Manhunter, um, the Batman, Flash. Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Um, uh, Green Lantern and my brain is blanking on the seventh one because I'm trying to remember who it was in that lineup. I think uh, Sp- um, Spider Man, it's fine, it's probably no, Spider Man. No, I think it was Plastic, <laughs> it's always sp- I think it was plastic <laughs> was it? Man, but um, and there's that they actually cover a story in that 10 year arc where they explain how, um, and when they do it, it's very convincing that Plastic Man is the most powerful man in the JLU. Really? He, yeah, yeah. He can take out everyone, um, and the but there's a, there's a whole thing where that has that's kind of Wally West's first version of the Flash in the Justice League, and he's very right. young and he's very very inexperienced, and then you have Kyle Rayner who was the fourth Green Lantern, and the other like two of the others are still dicking around, but like he's the one in charge of things because they're like police. You get rotated on and off duty, and he was yeah. picked to be it, and he's a he's actually a graphic designer so all his constructs that he makes as green lantern are all like cartoonish like there's a right, right. Needs, there's a tidal wave rushing towards the city so he makes a giant jcb and lifts the city out of the way because <laughs> um, it's just in his head that's the most practical way of dealing with it and yeah the pair of them are quite good at being the kind of naive out of, you know fish out of water even though they're very yeah. powerful they're very kind of we're not sure what we're doing and there is there's several times where like every so often uh, Batman will say something or look at one of them, and they're like, "What did I do wrong? What, what what's gone wrong?" There's even a point where like Batman turns to the Flash and puts his hand on the shoulder. And he's like, 
He's like, Wally, I need you for something. And he's like, Batman's touching me. Am I going to die? And it's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's the instant reaction of like, oh, I'm fucked. So yeah, there's the, that kind of god of death, the 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 spec, the yeah. specter, like of of uh, of impending I, doom. And I, there's this weird thing that happens that no matter how godlike a, a, a superhero is, they always if it's just if they pair up with Batman, they always have to end up playing the straight man to Batman's like vastly supernatural seeming abilities. And I love ones where it's like two characters walking through a sewer, and they're like. They're one. No matter who pa- the other powerful person is, if it's Green Lantern, they freak out a little bit. And Batman has this, and you're like, "How could you possibly have this? Yeah. How do you know what's going on already? There was ghosts a minute ago. There was there was one of them. Um, the, the, there was I think it was one of the, the. I can't remember if it was a comic or a cartoon, but there is like ba- uh, Superman's the only one who's kind of unfazed because he's been to the Batcave so often. Yeah. And he's trying to get. Um, they're trying to get there, and at some point, he's like, "I think Batman's knocked out," and he brings him in. And Alfred comes out with a shotgun, and he's like, "Oh, it's you." And, and someone's <laughs> like, and, "And and there's the whole moment of someone's like, you know, um, Batman says something to criticize someone, and he's like, you have your butler guard your secret cave with a shotgun.' What are you talking about? Like, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's you know, because it's the whole thing of he is the one character who just sees through everything that Batman is. Yeah, you know what I mean, but." there's a lot of others that kind of the, Justi- a- the Justice League run is quite good at, um, see I never really liked Superman growing up I thought he was just, he's too clean cut and he is from a uh, Mark Miller, the writer actually said it quite recently that Superman isn't really identifiable for a lot of people because he belongs to a very very uniquely to an America that doesn't even exist anymore yeah, so, I can see that. Where like everything, it's, it's the apple pie everything is great, everything is wholesome and I will fight to make those things right and mm. he's not really he's the only one who you know like I mean he hasn't really modernized quite well whereas the other yeah. characters they're able to go like with like the Flash the likes of um, Green Lantern they're able to pass the mantle along someone else can become that and mm. they, they, they kind of like they do that quite well but that run is very well done like the um, all the various uh kind of big bad guys from DC show up over the course of the thing and it's they're dealing with galactic scale tr- threats it's not the whole thing of oh no Earth's in danger again convenient how it's always Earth that's getting fucking attacked isn't it and they even explain yeah. why that happens there's a, in, a universe canon reason why Earth keeps getting attacked because um, it's the hellmouth from Buffy um, no it's the opposite it's um, oh it's, right it's, it's called the, the angel yeah, anus it's, it's, it's called the, for, the fourth planet is what we refer to and someone's like no this is the third one and it's like we're not talking about geographically it's just, um there is uh, like there's a uh, apocalypse which is the planet of dark side he's at war with um kind of kind of in a stalemate um at a cold war with the planet of the new gods the new gods right. there's like there basically everyone on the planet is a superhero every single person has unique powers mm. and his son dark side's son fights for the new gods and the leader of the new gods his son fights with dark side the whole idea is, is they traded kids as a kind of a stalemate as a way to look mm. you know you will destroy your own family if you do this Pro- proper old dynasty shit yep yeah and there's a whole thing where um uh metatron who's like uh, not not the dogma metatron we're not we're not talking alan rickman here alan rickman with his with his no cock with his with his smooth action man kendall uh, undercarriage not quite so uh, sexually enticing um, so he's basically he's a, he's a character who's I mean 
he's kind of the, the ambassador to Earth from the New Gods. He shows up every so often to advise them when stuff is going down. And yeah. he basically explains, he's like, our world, everyone came to power a millennia ago. And we have been mm. in power for, for hundreds of millennia. But we weren't the first. There was planets before us. And Earth has been, is the next one. We know this is coming. This is why superheroes are starting to appear on Earth. Eventually, mm. everyone will be a superhero. You are the next planet. And, you, and then I, when this happens, it will be Earth's responsibility to defend the universe. So there's a whole logic to it. So I, uh, I like anything like that where they... I don't like f- the idea of fate in any other media. I just... It doesn't gel with me for whatever reason. But it, it works so well in superhero media because it kind of has to... It, the reason that then you can do parallel universes but still have a Spider-Man, still have a Batman, still have people who have to fill these roles is because... It is fate that we would do it, and it also explains why there's not superheroes in our world because you know there there has to be a catalyst, there has to be something that kicks all this stuff off, and it just hasn't happened for us yet. But in in the parallel universe, one step over, there is the Batman, there is all this yeah, stuff, and it's already started. And that's the kind of the idea behind the DC universe. It's covered all in the JLA, where they're like, yeah, this is why you have supervillains, this is why you have superheroes. This is the start. This is the mm. the, the the very first ripple in the in the pond. Yeah, and it will be, it will come a time where Earth is responsible for the safekeeping of this universe, and it's like so. It's a nice little kind of build up, but um, and I believe at one point that Batman even says he's already got a plan to deal with everyone. At the you know he's like it's fine, it's fine. You can all become super yeah. powered. I still got this. Um, uh, uh, on the uh, if we're sticking with comics for a minute, one of my my favorite standalone comics of Batman is Batman Arkham Asylum, uh, a serious house on serious Earth which was a Grant Morrison one where they kind of took the reins off him a little bit and let him go a little bit fucking mental with it. Uh, and it do, it's the artist who did it with him was Dave McKean, who did, he's a, um, yes, he did Sandman back in the day, but the style of art is very um, uh, psychotropic. What's the word I'm looking for there? Um, no, I, I know what you're talking about. It's, um, I actually, I'm not sure how to explain it, but I know exactly the style of art. It's very it, dreamlike. Yeah, it's it's a lot of cut up stuff. Like he will use any medium he needs to get the the dreamy style he needs. So it's layers of wallpaper and then sketches and then drawings and then photographs and then on on the end of all that. But if he needs to do a Francis Bacon esque style image where a face is twisted in order to get a feeling, or if he needs to put red paint all over the already drawn panels in order to get a feeling, he'll do that. Um, but it it is very very kind of dreamy and nightmarish and distorted kind of style. Um, and it could, like one page might just be a photograph of a, an old rusty key and then the next page is nine really tight panels of the Joker speaking directly to the reader um, and it is it is a really really interesting one because it is uh, I like the psychological stuff of the Batman character the idea that it all his characters deal with insanity the, the kind of going over and back on whether the Joker is insane or hyper sane can he see stuff that isn't like, is he seeing through society and through culture and seeing stuff that we can't? And that's why he's acting the way he's acting. What does the Batman see? All this kind of stuff. And as they go in and go through Arkham Asylum, he's seeing all the different inmates. And in some cases, he sees them as they see themselves. In some cases, he's seeing them kind of as he sees them, and like sees them through fear and things like that. Uh, and they have Two-Face in there, who's a shell of a person at this stage, where they've been breaking him down and breaking him down. Um, and the idea is that whoever's treating him has decided that because he's got this binary decision 
making tool. It's that's what's causing him to be act either good or completely evil. So they they got him up to a dice at one point where he's able to make decisions that had more options, and they they eventually get him up to a set of tarot cards. So now he has loads of options when he needs to think something through. He's laying out tarot cards, but he's so completely paralyzed by it. Like the Batman finds him and is just fucking. We nearly weeping for him like this guy is stuck to a table and he's paralyzed by indecision and can't do anything and everything he's doing he's flipping tarot cards and one of the last things that Batman does in that comic is as he's leaving just puts a coin in front of Two-Face and is like I'd rather see you as you were but it's it's never clear as this is a dream of Batman or this is an actual thing that happened or anything like that like that seems like such a a weird moment at the end I don't know that makes, uh, I, to me it makes a lot of sense because the, the backstory of Batman is that Harvey Dent is actually quite a good friend of Bruce Wayne. So it's not really mm. done in the films. It's a little bit of the whole romantic rivalry thing. But in the actual... Um, in the comics and all the rest, he's very close friends with him. He's yeah. the guy... It's 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 essentially... Your Rachel is never there, but he still ends up getting him funded because he sees him as the, as the viable legal method of cleaning up Gotham. Yeah, he yeah. He becomes one of, like his staunchest supporter, and he's at every fundraiser, and he's at every speaking event because it's like if I'm there, you get an extra twenty cameras and that type of thing. So yeah, it's the whole thing of a lot of it is when he runs into him. There's the tragedy. Like I could understand him giving back the coin because at least then he knows fifty percent of the time it will be his old friend. Exactly, it'll be it'll be um, Harvey Dent. It's a it's a really really interesting comic. Uh, and I, I love Grant Morrison anyway. He's got that, like, he's... Uh, he I love listening to him speak on other uh, podcasts and stuff. He's got that kind of rich Scottish uh, background and clearly has taken every fucking drug under the sun <laughs> to explore explore every... He's like he's like an affable Alan Moore. It's like he wants to explore all these interesting concepts, but he's not a cunt about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wonder if I can bring all this back to one story. So we've got... Uh, Grant Morrison who did uh, the Arkham Asylum one he was on another podcast we we already mentioned Kevin Smith stuff uh, he was on the Fat Man on Batman podcast and he was talking about taking the reins of the, the Batman story and uh, and stuff uh, and he said that one of the reasons he wanted to do Batman so much is because Alan Moore had done the killing joke which is again a, a kind of a one shot really interesting um a kind of dissection of the Joker and Batman's relationship to each other, and how they, how they, um, are going to they're in this destructive spiral. Uh, and the last scene in the the Killing Joke again, I'm and I'm not supposed to be ruining endings of this, but these are ancient comics. You should be out finding these and reading this. Is a really weird and it do, nearly it doesn't make sense interaction between the Joker and Batman, where the Joker tells Bat like they're both standing there. The Joker tells Batman a joke. And they both start laughing. Two lunatics escaping from an asylum. When they come up to the rooftop and there's a gap over to the next building. And the first one says, quick, shine the torch across and then I can run across the beam. Then toss the torch to me and then I'll hold it and you can run across. And the new one's like, what are you, crazy? You'll just just turn the beam off when I'm halfway across. And and yeah, I get what you mean about it. It seems like an odd thing. The the more I think about that one, the more I think it's meant to be Batman trying his best to reach out to him. Well, the the middle panel, the if you look at the last sequence, it's nine it's nine images, and it's Batman and the Joker, and the police are coming, and like this is the end. The Joker's going back to whatever cell or hole that he's always going to, and he says it to Batman, and then Batman smiles, 
and they both start laughing and in the middle panel batman reaches out and puts his hand on the joker and they're both like they're laughing so hard that they can't stand like, up straight stand up straight and then in the third last panel you can see a beam of light from the the police coming towards them to arrest the joker and then the uh the laughter stops and then the next panel like you can hear the sirens the next panel is just a beam of light and the last panel the beam of light is gone and uh, Grant Morrison puts forward the idea that in that moment Batman realised that him and the Joker are going to be doing this forever two lunatics escaping the same asylum and that him reaching out is him strangling and breaking the Joker's neck and him basically saying no yeah, we can't arrest him we can't keep going I've, I've heard that but I've also like it's my own theory on it is more that he's he normally doesn't laugh at the jokes he normally it's because he doesn't like to encourage him yeah. but at that point it's almost like him extending the olive branch. It's the whole thing of, I, if I laugh at his joke once, if I, it, it, you know what I mean? Like it's, because he's like, again, it's almost like the two-faced thing. It's Batman knows his enemy so well that he doesn't like dealing with them when they've changed. So it's the whole thing of, he sees the Joker almost depressed by this, by the realization that they're going to keep doing it. And he's yeah. almost like, if I start laughing, then he'll know that he's, yes, he can get to me and it's, and it's a, it's, it's, he's extending a ray of hope almost to him. If, I, that's, if, that's my own kind of thing on it, though. Like, In any other comic, that would have made sense. But, but for the contents of that comic, the amount of dark shit the Joker's just done to get to that point, the idea of Batman giving throwing him a bone seems a little bit mental. Although... But that's, that's part of it. I mean, like it's, Batman is meant to be... Like, Batman... They don't really do it in the comics in the uh, sorry in the in the cartoon. In the cartoon he'll just oh you're evil when someone says they're gonna do something. Mm. In, in the comics more so than anything else, Batman is always trying to talk the enemy down. Mm. Because he doesn't like he hates violence full stop. He hates the, the like he wants to make sure that people um like he wants to see them get help. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's more why I think it's him going like I have to make this gesture because otherwise, you know, like it's like he's going he could get even worse. He could just spiral out even to, even worse. Well, this is this is I think Batman's collecting insanity a little bit. I think he just wants to see one of every type of insanity, and it will. It's it's nearly like Sherlock Holmes beating up dead bodies to see how long they can keep bruising. He needs every piece of info he can get. I love the idea that he's he's dealing with all these people because they interest him but he can't really say it like that yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it's I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a valid argument with Batman this is again this is why it's so interesting it's like Batman Batman would be shit if he didn't have his rogues yeah his rogues gallery is one of the most interesting of, if not just DC DC Marvel any comic book like um he just has this really good collection and they're all boiled down to one it's like one simple um it's one simple need driven to an extreme the mm. joker the joker is just the need for disorder yes. for rebelling against everyday modern quote unquote acceptable norms um Killer Croc is just rage. He is rage. He is anger. He is. Um, they've redirected him recent in recent years because of Bane. So they've redirected him. So it's more Bane is all about 
supremacy before while Bane was anger. But mm. Bane's all about supremacy because ignoring the shitty Schumacher appearance, he is meant to be as smart as Batman. And they did kind of do that in the in the films as well. And um, So he is meant to be on the same kind of intellectual level as Batman. He's able to keep up with him. He's able to outthink him. He's able to outsmart him. But he has the physical prowess to beat him in a fight. The, yep. the Riddler is... Um, it's his asking riddles of people is a a weird version of him trying to increase his own knowledge it's it's a it's a nurse i mean everyone is a narcissist and an egomaniac in this as well everybody needs people to see their version of their thing yeah 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 but it's but the the, the driving route for him is information it's Mm. the need to know as much as he can and the penguin is greed because the penguin mm. is always the fence. He's always the the one who just robs stuff to sell it. And the like, Catwoman, her one is almost the chase. She needs the chase. Mm. You know, it's her. she robs for the thrill of it. She could go for easier targets that would draw less attention, but it's not interesting to her. Though in the comics recently, they're getting married. Catwoman and Batman. Yeah, Bruce Wayne proposed, and she said to yes. Selina Kyle. Yeah, she said yes. Did she? Did he propose in Batman guys or in Cat in Catwoman? He, Cat, pu- Catwoman? He, he pulled the cowl down and proposed to her. There's a whole big arc going on at the minute about it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, um, and a lot. Of, like, that's the thing because when they first started kind of teasing that in the comics, people were kind of like, I think DC themselves were worried. They're like, oh, don't know, you know, him getting one of the villains, and all the fans are kind of like, well, eh, it makes sense because <laughs> yeah. the, the people he spends the most time with. Other than the kids, I was say, we don't like want you to go down romance. that road, like you know. <laughs> and yeah, it's essentially workplace workplace romance, and it's and there's the whole thing of um, Bruce Wayne would get bored if the person he was dealing with, the person he was married to, wasn't able to keep up with him and keep that kind of you know keep messing with him and all the rest. Yeah, because yeah. it like he he needs someone who can hold his attention. Yeah, from his cause, like because because his cause is is justice his one defining feature like he matches up with the rogues and that he is a narcissist and an egomaniac but his one is justice he he has a reflection in every other villain though like he has uh he does things every so often which would be described as just descending things into chaos in order to get to an end of something and that is the joker he'll do something to prove he's smarter than someone he'll do something to to prove he's better than someone he'll 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 beat up all of the justice league just to prove a point to them that he is better, that he has all the information on them, that he could beat them if he needed to, like the Riddler. Like he'll do a move every so often that is a reflection of yeah, one of his I, bad guys. What, they, what they've become quite good at doing though is, particularly in like the um, in the animated series and stuff like that, is that they they set it up so it doesn't look like he's the bad guy when he does it. There's yeah. a point where they're like they have to escape from a fight and they all like bounce through a portal and they're like. Oh, no, uh, we got a. It's like Dark Side invades. It was in one of the animated films, and Dark Side invades, and like we need to go underground, undercover, and it's like, uh, you know, I've got an identity to keep, and it's meant to be this point where they don't, they they don't, you know, openly tell each other's identities, and it's like, it's like, well, how are yeah. we gonna? Tr-? And Batman just turns around and he's like, Wally West, and he and he just names them all off, and then he's just like, he names one, he's like, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, and pulls his cowl down, and he goes, okay, let's get on with this, and they're all like. What? Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's the moment of like, did he really just do that? There's a lot of moments. That, like again, it's the, the kind of, um, it, just, it just reminded me as well of that the sewer moment with um, 
I think it's in Justice League War where he does the whole thing of he's talking to Green Lantern and Green Lantern's like what are you a vampire and he's like nope and he's like well, what's your superpower and he just looks at him you, and but you can like, fly right and he's like nope yeah. and he's and like, he's just, he just looks at him and he's like what's your superpower and he just smiles and then he's like he goes don't tell me you're just a guy in a bat suit yeah and then he's like looking at the ring going what's this do and he's like what, what? <laughs> how did you get that off me <laughs> yeah um, in terms of movies then uh, do you want to uh, I guess we we can kind of do a little a little history of all the of the movies that um, that existed the relevant uh, ones I mean there was TV movies back in the yeah I'm not that pushed about the Adam West years <laughs> there was even I think there was even one before then I think there was actually um, and uh, sorry just this is something that we're, we're going to say and this might shock one of our listeners or viewers the whole thing of oh, Batman doesn't use a gun Batman used a gun for the first 14 issues of that comic. He shot people. Because <laughs> he was based on the shadow. And the whole point of the shadow is the shadow had like two pistols that he used. Or two, um, yeah, two pistols. Batman had pistols. He had his grappling hook, he had his pistol. So, it, Also, it, once you're firing missiles from a car, saying I don't use guns isn't a particularly like cool thing to, to try and sell. Yeah, yeah. For the purposes of this, uh, for the purposes of my storyline... It will be the fall that kills this guy. Throw him off the building. Um, yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, I mean, that's something that they kind of, it's the suspension of disbelief that everyone has. Of, I know Batman doesn't kill because that's the thing that they use against him. So, you know. Um, but yeah, there was, there was the, so here's the, the Tim thing. Burton the Tim Burton kind ones. of a- era. Yeah. Now, aside from my hatred of Tim Burton, because I do have a well-documented hatred of Tim Burton, right? Yep. If, if he could just catch fire and die, that'd be great. But oh god, the smell of that would be horrible. I just feel like he'd he'd smell worse than anyone else on fire. He looks like he's all greasy hair. <laughs> <laughs> but not like I remember watching them growing up and being actually like, these are great. Oh yeah, they were so much fun. But they have not aged at all. They have aged so badly. Really? Are, uh, oh, go back and watch them. They are just... It's amazing how bad they are. I mean, he, the, he did certain things well. Like, he really wanted to put Sharon Stone in a skin-tight catsuit that they had to sew her into. Who, he did that very well. It was Michelle Pfeiffer. Get or Michelle Pfeiffer, sorry. Uh, far, far hotter than Sharon Stone was. Like, come on. And uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin, I still really like. That's the thing. With his little weird the flipper villains, things. The villains are kind of the only good things about the Burton films. Hmm. And I know we've said that like Batman is only as good as his rogues, but like the actual Batman part of it is very weak in those films. Right. Like, I don't know. The Joker is it's an version of the Joker. That's fine. The Joker's never been done the same way twice. That's kind of the point. It's like the many faces of chaos is kind of what he is. Hmm. But yeah, you could tell Jack Nicholson having a laugh with it. Great, you know. Um, the, but I mean yeah the second film had some great bad guys in it second film had um, even Max Shrek having uh, um, oh, what's his name just after disappearing out of my head now your father what is watch up his ass oh Christopher Walken Christopher yeah. Walken as Max Shrek You're pushing so, like, pushing Selena Kyle out a window that's, that's yeah, all yeah. kind of fun but, but I mean even like you know just little portrayals like that yes um, Danny DeVito's fantastic in it. Um, Danny DeVito's father in that film is played by. Do you know? Don't look it no, up. No, go on. 
It's Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Really? Yeah. And that was shortly after the whole getting caught wanking in a porn theater thing. So it was kind of the only. I guess I, did, could get. I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't know him for that at the time, so it never struck me. Yeah, um, and then, and obviously I mentioned it before, but uh, Harvey Dent, when he appears in those films, is played by Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, like, I don't know. Those films never held up for me. I mean, what's your feeling on them? What's your kind of? I so I they're they're pure style, and if you don't like the style, that's it. Like game over. There's nothing. There's nothing you can really take from it. The um, the the shots I really like. The ones that stick with me, and even then going into the 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 Schumacher ones where he where he brought along some of that Tim Burton style, is shots of someone lying on the ground in the snow, broken body with cats licking at them. It's the shots of like somebody pushing someone in a in a office chair who's wrapped in cables out through a window. You have to have these big crazy shots and set pieces and things because that's how you birth something as crazy as the Joker, the Riddler, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it it's so easy to do in comics. I don't know if it's easy to do, but you can you can make these perfect like uh, close ups that take up an entire page, or do quick fire cut shots, or you can change your art style to to sell something. Um, and I think I think the Tim Burton ones were the first time where they're like the idea of having a giant. And I maybe maybe I'm kind of skipping past the first one and the uh, stuff and focusing on the the giant rubber ducks and stuff of the really over the top stuff of Batman Returns but even in the first he, one of him he did have a bigger budget then he was you know yeah. he was given more room to play with and uh the 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 neon punk uh, clown guys smashing up the art gallery and and stuff like that but every, everything was over the top and i i like that there's there's no way you could go halfway with it even the doctor is trying to fix the joker all of his tools look fucking ghastly and horrible and all of them look like they would kill someone in a second because it has to be that over the top. It has to be that ridiculous. You can't suddenly have the Joker. You have to create a world where everything's so insane that it could create the Joker. Um, but I get, I can completely see them not holding off. It, we, we now have superhero movies because Tim Burton did that stuff, because Sam Raimi did a, was able to do a blockbuster that held our attention, and because M. Night did Unbreakable, and was able to prove... I would put something ahead of most of those. Go on. Which would be the Blade films. Yes, Blade is Marvel. Blade is kind of the first attempt at Marvel to do a blockbuster film that was not aimed at a universal market. Because the Blade films were like 15s and 18s, and they came out, and they even have the Marvel credit thing flash up at the start. Yeah, and yeah, it's, and it was, and those films were just very well received, and it was the whole thing of, if we just, if we just treat it as a good film, you know, why not? Why, why can't it work? I think it, more than anything, the Marvel Cinematic Universe owes a huge debt to Blade and Blade Two. I think that's absolutely true, but I don't think you can take any one of those parts out and still have the same thing. I don't think you can remove Blade and still get to where we're at. I don't think you can remove Tim Burton or. Sam Raimi or yeah, I just I more want to M. mention Knight. it because it's one of those ones that does uh, that often gets overlooked. I mean, especially with Black Panther stuff kicking off at the moment, and everybody everybody's posting off. Uh, what about Hancock? What about um, Spawn? What about this? What about that? And I was like, played, played, played. So there was the same thing happened with um, uh, I think it was the uh, after Deadpool, 
was mm. like, oh, congratulations on Deadpool on being the first successful aura uh, rated uh, superhero film. And it's just yeah. a picture of like, as he's nice to say, going, yeah, that's nice. And it's like, yeah, I can. They have kind of mentioned, though, that they want to get at least a cameo of Blade into the Marvel Universe. That would be pretty cool. Kevin Feige was talking to uh, it would, San Diego it would work. last year, I think. He was talking to uh, Wesley Snipes about it. He was like, just get him in somewhere. Get him in as yeah. a reference and a nod. And It would work if he could kill Deadpool at some point. I know Deadpool would come back. But just as payment for Blade Trinity, where... <laughs> He's the like, only good thing in, my, in Blade Trinity, is yeah. Reynolds. It. I, there came a point where clearly Wesley Snipes wasn't reacting to to Ryan Reynolds and like was just kind of phoning it in a little bit. And Ryan Reynolds was like, "Can I just do whatever the fuck I want?" So okay. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The, the moment where I was kind of like, "Okay, I like this character," because Hannibal mm. King is very different than the Blade comics. But when he comes busting in through the the uh, after I think Blade's been arrested or one of them's been arrested, and he comes busting in through the window and he's got a flak jacket on him and the, yeah. there's a name tag on it and has "Hello, my name is Fuck You." And I was just kind of like, okay, right, we're not even going to be, like, subtle about this one. That's fine. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, the Burton films, yes, they were kind of, they, they're one of the pillars, one of the foundation pillars of the current superhero trend. But I think a lot of it then, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe if we, if um, in a way, I almost think it made them, the Schumacher ones were, were almost like, the, uh, uh, were not, they're not. They almost removed all the good work that the Burton films did. Yeah, the the Burton films. I remember the new audience coming to it, and I even I kind of remember people being pissed off. Obviously, there wasn't uh, like the internet and everything back in the day, but I can kind of remember people being it must have been for Batman Returns, um, kind of pissed off at how they were changing stuff from the comics, but a whole new audience getting on board. And it was all the hype about it, even the merchandise, all the every everything about this was the Prince album. There's the what? Bad dance. Oh, of course. Yeah, how would you how would you forget that? Come on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the and then they went so far off the deep end with that, where they basically decided to forget about any previous audience and went let's just focus on the merchandise on all this new audience all the fucking kids we can sell so this stuff let's to let's put nips on Batman hmm don't think people are going to go fly are going to fly with that <laughs> we've also got Alicia Silverstone and Latex okay they might forgive you turns out they yeah. didn't so you know <laughs> poor Chris O'Donnell what happened in his career uh, yeah you think being able to dry laundry the way he did in that film would have just, you know stood the test of time it's the one oh God, scene right. that sticks out in that film even years later the best thing about those films about the Schumacher films is the soundtrack we got Kiss from oh, a Rose man. which is a yeah. phenomenal track we got Hold Me Thrill Me Kiss Me Kill Me by U2 which is one yep. of actually U2's decent tracks we got The End Is The Beginning Is The End by The Smashing Pumpkins which is a phenomenal piece of music and it's but yeah, but we also got nips on Batman. We got chill out. You know, fucking, <laughs> like, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about the Chris O'Donnell character. Uh, and it's you know that saying of like when when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. All he could do was gymnastics, so everything needed to be solved by gymnastics. And the bit where he needed to keep a door open that Batman went into, so he had to gymnastics his way through the entire house and catch it at the last minute. And you're like, put a bit of tape on the door, lad. No, a bit yeah, of tape yeah, on yeah. that lock. Like, 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 yeah, like, how hard is it to just you know stick a broom handle in there? Yeah. Like, yeah. But it, I, 
we we paid a heavy price for those couple of good songs. So. <laughs> uh, do, shall we jump forward then to the to the Nolan years? And... See, I think you're better off looking at the animated series in between. The animated series, yeah, let's do that. TV series, that kind of took. Well, okay, they were like, okay, there is a market for Batman. There is a there is a there is definitely an audience for it. But we don't. I think it's better if we keep it bare bones, trim it down, keep it stylized. And I love the. Uh, I'm gonna mispronounce this, but the anachronous nature of the of that um, series. Yeah, you're never sure if it's modern day, if it's the '60s, if it's the '30s, if it's like the, the the aesthetic on the cars, the blimps is very like it's the that 30s Chicago Art Deco yeah 30s. whereas then like the computers are very 90, uh, very sorry very 60s 70s like almost a nod mm. to the Adam West stuff um, it's something that they they kept going and did very purposely in Gotham and I've noticed a bunch of TV shows recently doing it where they're not setting anything in any particular time um, and they were basically saying because like with Gotham they just didn't talk about it and then somebody eventually asked him, I was like, what's the story here? I was like, well, we, we know what the crack is, but we didn't want to say it. But the idea is it is the past. It is before, like, it's, you know, it's maybe the, um, it is the past as Batman is a kid in it. Like, it's not the present, but it's the idea. It's the past where Wayne Enterprises exist. So you probably are in the, the 50s, but there's computers and flip phones. And if somebody needs to have a phone for a scene, of course they've got a phone. If somebody needs to have a computer, of course they can look something up on a computer. But it is the past, and it's that weird. The the closest thing I can say, it's like the transatlantic voice back in the day, which is actually the, the Joker voice there. Hey, bats! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't want to have a, a British European voice. They didn't want to have an American voice. So they just made this thing in between that's kind of like, eh, everyone will get it. And it was from an, like, it, there's no one state in America that it actually sounds like. It's yeah. just, you cannot tell where it's from. It's just, yes, that is a kind of American voice. Well, this is a fine. How do you do? Like that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Doesn't it's, land anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about that series that I thought it did quite well was it it set the tone. It stripped out a lot of the shit that had been building up. So it, it goes back to just him. Now they do yep. introduce Robin. They do introduce uh, Batgirl and stuff like that. But when like that was over the course of five seasons, and mm. as they introduce them, it's like they'll bring them in and then they'll fade them out for four or five episodes. Bring them in again for a bit. Fade them out. And it just gave him extra characters to talk to that he wasn't trying to punch at the same time. <laughs> and uh, it, do, it, it had a lot of Alfred in it and I always liked Alfred. And I don't like whenever anybody tries to make him an action guy or anything like that. I know he's supposed to be an army doctor guy. To me, Alfred is the Wizard of Oz. He is the one who's allowed behind the curtain and has to, keep, has to help keep this facade going. There, there, there is a moment in a particular comic where when Alfred goes badass you wholeheartedly enjoy it right but that's the Injustice comics so it's like setting an alternate version of it's like the next step over thing again like where what happens is is that um, uh, the Joker plants a uh, a nuke in Metropolis because he's like it's no fun going after Batman he always tops me I want to go play with someone else right he sets a nuke off in uh, thing which ends up killing um, Lois Lane. Oh, wow. And Lois Lane is pregnant with Superman's baby. And Batman is basically interviewing the Joker in an interrogation room, and the entire wall gets ripped off. And Superman comes in, and he's like, 
not now and he just basically pushes Batman out of the way and punches the Joker's heart out through the back of his chest and it's the point where <laughs> Superman goes off the edge and he's like I had the power to stop this why have I why didn't I use this for you I've always tried to be to play by the rules here but I could just yeah. stop it all and he basically ends up running the planet but he develops a serum that gives anyone powers to almost the strength of him so it's like you want to fight with me great you want to fight by my side great but you're going to go up against people who are massively more powerful than you I have developed this take it it will make you as strong as me so you can fight them and it's mm. a point where he beats the shit out of Batman Mm. but Alfred in the background has taken one of the pills and Alfred fucking schools Superman <laughs> like he beats him within an inch of his life he, he kicks him so hard his entire shoe shatters off his foot and then he picks up uh, uh, like Batman's lying on the ground um, he can't walk Superman, oh, sorry, Alfred picks him up looks, uh, he looks over at Superman on the ground stomps on his head Superman's lying there half his face busted up bleeding can't walk just fucked in general and he's like and he just goes, come Master Bruce, there's nothing worth saving here. And just walks out and you're like, oh, the shade. The fierce fucking shade. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's a delicious little scene. And it's the whole, yeah, most of the time you want Alfred to be the, he's the sardonic wit. He's the foil to yeah. Batman. He's the guy who keeps him in check. But just that whole thing of like, there's nothing worth saving here. And I was like, <laughs> yes! I was coming out of my seat, pumping my fist so hard. Like, <laughs> It was. Um, oh, that's great. It's a, it, It's actually quite a good comic because it's they. It's one of those uh, the what ifs where they just twist everything on its head. Yeah. And you've got like a Harley Quinn starts the underground and Batman joins the underground, but Harley Quinn is still the leader, and like when she's not got the Joker as a force effect in her, her life, yeah. she becomes she becomes like one of the greatest like tactical leaders, and Batman's actually proud of her, and he's like. You know, if the Joker had never come along, like you, we could have been allies all the all the way through. You are amazing, mm. and she's like, if the Joker hadn't come along, I wouldn't be doing this in the first place. Like that type of thing. There's a lot of kind yeah. of really nice character developments to it, and it's definitely definitely worth reading. It's one of those one of those comic series I would recommend. But yeah, in the in the comic in the sorry in the the TV series, he I think they did get him kind of. The TV series has a lot of kind of the perfect portrayals, I think. Yeah, and I think it's i this might be i don't know which came first in this case but it is the it felt like they were going back to basics with this that's probably not true it's probably not the case that there was ever like batman started off with the the art deco style and the chicago new york mashup and all this kind of stuff but the the music and visuals and use of color like the the very limited palette in the animated series when they could go crazy and have um they could go crazy and have all bright colors because it is a cartoon, but they, they really limit everything down to quite muted stuff. Even the Joker has black hair with a green highlight rather than full green hair. And his his face is white, but his teeth are yellow. Like Everything is muted down a little bit to, to make it seem a little bit dirtier and dustier and everything. And I really, really like that style. And it felt like it was them taking a little bit of a step back on, hey, let's not, let's not push too hard on the absolute crazy nature of this. Let's... Um, bring it back to it it's gothic like they 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 make gotham gothic again and i mean that as the uh the architectural and visual styles as well as the art deco gothic style of um really everything's concrete and squared off and everything like his jaw is fucking batman's jaw is made of masonry in the comic 
or in the in the animated series where he is he is as much a part of the the city as everything like that and i i know i always come down on the stylish point of things but i'm an artist so that's what i'm doing yeah no and i mean but, no, uh, that, that's fair and i always look at the story because i write stories for a living that's you know kind <laughs> of like the, this is how this will break down like yeah, I, I, one thing that they did consistently quite well in in the TV series as well though was that Gotham always felt, in a weird way, hauntingly empty. You never saw people on the streets yeah. in Gotham, but at the same time, it was perfect because it was the whole. It almost felt like a stage play. That was one thing that the backgrounds always mm. reminded me of. It was that type of this is a a stage yeah. play, like, and it, it was. You know, we only have the actors on stage when we need them. It didn't it would, really it would, rely on extras. Sometimes there'd be like somebody would raid a ball and there's loads of people there. And yes, then there's, that makes sense. But any of the car chases, there's never anybody on the streets. It was a that very kind of keep it simple. Keep it, you know, focus the attention. Because again, they were trying to get kids interested as well. So it's like you don't want distractions. You want them watching exactly what you're pointing them at. So yeah, that was it something would, that I was kind of grab me about that it was visually like from a storytelling perspective and there's a great line in one of them as well where they're doing that chase thing i think it's the start of the third season it's opening mm-hmm. episode of one of the seasons where batman and robin are in the car and they're chasing after a, a car that's trying to get away and batman's just you know the usual grim determined look in his face and robin looks kind of bored like he's mm-hmm. kind of half slouched he's got his arms crossed and someone leans out from the car in front and starts hosing him with a machine gun. And then just go, Robin's like, eh, must be new in town. It's like, <laughs> I, and, and, and the, the fact that it doesn't like it was, but it's, they're, they're weaving through traffic. And it's the first time I think in the entire series where they're actually in traffic. Yeah. There's actually something in the way because yeah. it had to be part of the story then. But before that, they never had it. It's so funny when you say about the, it, it being a stage play, because it's always like for a city this, that's supposed to be this big, it's always Batman looking down onto streets that are empty. And like there it would have been so easy to have lights and people milling around. And it nearly would have made more sense for him to then be protecting people if they did show them. But he's not protecting people, he's protecting exactly. Gotham. Exactly. And it's and you'll also notice that all the buildings are lit from the bottom like a stage. Yeah. It's very and it's, there's very little um overhead lighting. It's all from the bottom projected upwards. There's there's um the the lighting for a cartoon is is um, probably like I, this I remember it winning awards I remember like people saying about the Batman animated series winning all these really prestigious awards because it would do things like have characters in full silhouette until there was a lightning flash it would have people running across a rooftop with long shadows and as their feet hit the ground the shadows would like be the, there'd be more movement in the shadows than the characters and it was such a beautiful way of kind of selling weird things like distance and stuff like that um, and when you're looking at rooftops, there was weird perspectives on certain roofs that they would just look like they go on forever, and the buildings around them would tilt outwards and create very or tilt inwards to create very imposing, um, almost cavernous spaces. Like yeah, as needed. On rooftops. It was all. It was very. It was very nicely done yeah. for something that didn't need to be that good. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like I think, it, like it didn't have to be that visually stylistic, and kids still would have enjoyed it. I still would have enjoyed yeah. it growing up and all the rest. But I think that little detail that kind of artistic style that they put to it is why you can go back and watch it now and it's still enjoyable mm. it's still a great thing to have on in the background if you're just like um like i'll be playing a game my other monitor i'll have the batman animated series playing on it because it's like that's just it's just a good show to have on yeah um, 
but yeah and then that, that kind of evolves into the like again it did all the, the villains quite well I thought there was um, all the treatment of each of them was quite well done the that kind of evolves into the Justice League uh, the JLA and then what became JLU Justice League Unlimited mm. um, and there was five seasons of that as well now even then there was entire like Batman kind of faded out but I think they were like let's try and apply this art style to all of it let's see if this just can carry and they did kind of tone down the stylized nature of the cities and stuff like that unless well, like you knew when they were back in Gotham well I mean it's the the otherworldly feeling of of uh, stage play Gotham from the original one with the blimps and stuff when they went in to do Batman of the future and stuff like that I think they, they kind of just switched up what the 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 content but I think they did keep some of that Every it, it went from Batman being on rooftops to Batman being in the air always in a plane always in a, a vehicle so, the, so the, the one you're talking about it's um, Batman of the Future is what it was called in some territories it's known as Batman Beyond as well was the okay. name for it um, and Kevin Conroy is still in it as Bruce Wayne but he's an old man. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. He takes in like a a, a a youngster and basically starts training him because crime starts to become resurgent and he's like, the symbol has to go back out. Something has to has to mm. happen. So he trains this guy, guys, something McGuinness, um, Terry McGuinness, and he. Um, but yeah, like they keep the style on that, but with the like jumps ahead like fifty, sixty years. The JLA, JLU ones are set at the same time as the Batman ones, or they're set immediately after the, the five seasons of the animated series, and they're focused in on the um, on like those bigger threats that I mentioned earlier that the JLA always come up against. Darkseid shows up. Somebody decides they're going to, you know, I'm going to detonate a nuclear bomb inside all the volcanoes at once because, oh, okay, right, we got to deal with this shit now. Um, but they do, like I said, they do kind of ease off on the... Um, on the the stylized nature of the settings yeah they do keep the kind of character style the same there's a lot of a character first being introduced by the shadow that they cast or yes. by the like the, like you only see a flash of a weapon or something like that and it's there's, very kind of punchy I, I, like. I always liked in the in the animated series and even in the later versions of them where they wanted to introduce somebody who had been affected by the joker it would be someone in shadow and as they step forward their bottom half of their face would catch the light and they'd have a smile that was just a little bit too big. And they did that once with Robin, where as he steps forward, it's just a smile and like not even the eyes, it's just a silhouette with a smile. And I remember looking at it going, that's pretty creepy. Yeah, and it's, I mean, that was the one thing that like, your man Bruce Tim did an amazing job just staring that and knowing exactly how much style he had to put in, how to do it. One thing I, I always remember about them as well was that a lot of the fights in it were very kind of one or two punches. That was it. Yeah. If you actually, even when yeah. it's like huge guys fighting huge guys, there's a lot of grappling. It's almost wrestling style. There's mm. a lot of grappling. There's a lot of throwing. And then someone lands a punch and knocks the other guy out. And even when it's Superman thrown down with Orion, the son of Darkseid, like it's still that kind of very quick bang mm. you down. And again, I think it was it was to make sure that they weren't sacrificing uh, any of the visuals because if you look at the characters the proportions on them are ridiculous in those series they don't look normal <laughs> at all but yeah and they couldn't do that you wouldn't be able to move them a lot of the ways that you, you'd normally want them to 
I've just looked at a picture of Catwoman and I was like looking down through it and then I went, imagine, I'm trying to imagine what kind of a cat she looks like because she's so stylized at this point. Like, I could, I, I have no idea what animal she's supposed to be anymore. I think it's, um, it's not a Siamese cat, it's, um, oh, it might be. It could be a Siamese one. Yeah, no, it is a Siamese one because she has two Siamese cats in the animated series. So she, she actually has two that she, uh, she looks after. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like that animated series. I thought it was, it's probably, like, like, like I said, it holds up as kind of a lot of the perfect performances. You have Kevin Conroy doing the Batman. You have Mark Hamill mm. doing the Joker. You have, um, uh, uh, what's his name? It's after escaping me now. But like, even like the, the Jim Gordon in it could have been better. The, the, pen, yeah. the, the Alfred was brilliant in it. I mean, I think I, I would not be surprised if some if Michael Caine said, "Oh yeah, when I was learning how to do Alfred, I just sat and watched Alfred and all those comic in those cartoons." Yeah. because it's that really, like he's the one person who Batman is open and honest and funny with, mm. and is actually like you know. It, so there is the kind of sarcasm thing because it's like, yeah, you're you're my employer and you're a billionaire and you're Batman, but I did change your nappies. Yeah, I, you know that what I mean. Like I, I did look, I did essentially raise you, so I let you away with a lot of shit. But I'm not going to let you away with, you know, if you need talking down, I'll talk and talk you down. Yeah. So I, and and that comes across quite well in the Nolan films. That was one thing I really like Michael Caine in that. I think those films would have been fucking awful without him there. Yeah. He kept Batman himself <laughs> actually like quite quite um grounded nearly. Yeah, but as, as human, I would say. Yeah. yeah. He keeps yeah. him because it's the one guy who can critique, like, because there's the whole thing of, and it is meant to be like that, where Lucius Fox's character, and again in the in the uh, Bruce Tim stuff as well, it, it's it's very wink wink nudge nudge. Oh, I wonder what you're going to use this for. And again, Morgan yeah. Freeman does that great, and it's you know his version of the character matches up quite well with that. But the fact that he never directly says Batman, yeah, that's quite good. Like, so you, but you do have to have someone who can overtly state. Yeah, but stop being a dickhead when you're being the Batman, yeah? So, mm. yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, like, the character, I think, was... And it's it's nice to see that they've kind of based it on that. That it is, it, you know, it transitioned forward into the films. It is that kind of... It's not quite the sick of your shit stuff, but, like, if you, if you see Batman... I know they keep going back and doing the stories of everything that made him Batman, but the point is you're seeing the end of the road. Just having Alfred there doing a little kind of wink or take him down a peg is the kind of saying no I've seen you through every step of the way I've seen you become what you are now like this is I I'm not I'm not in awe of you like everyone else is yeah yeah and it's 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 that whole, you know he's seen him as a, it's literally when you've wiped someone's arse you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna deify them in any way shape or form and you're not gonna be afraid <laughs> of them either like it's you yeah. know um I'm sure whoever was wiping Marlon Brando's arse towards the end of his life didn't think he was the greatest actor ever, but, you know. Probably uh, not, yeah. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, those, I mean, and they're ones that I think are quite good, and I think it's actually quite good. Um, there's a few of my friends who, they have kids now, and they're like, uh, the, the kids are like four or five, six years of age, and I was saying to them, I was like, are you going to start watching the Batman stuff with them soon? And they're like, I don't know, the films are a bit heavy. I was like, no, fuck the films. Are you going to sit down yeah. and watch the series with them? And they're like, Oh my god! There's like, 
oh, there's like 10 years worth of those cartoons there that I can go and watch with them. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And if you pretend like these are new, like it's like, yeah, every like once a year, like over the Easter, you sit down and you watch a season of it with them, like that type of thing. And, and then, then you, they can watch it for the whole year. Yeah, you build it up and build it up and then, or you know, you, you bring in, yeah, we do two seasons, we do two seasons and then the third year, it's like, oh, it's the last season of Batman, but here's the Justice League and they're like, oh, holy I was going to say, when they're, when they're remastering the Arkham games in, in 10 years' time, they can then give them those and give them the first of the t- remasters. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it, it, it's, I think it's a great thing there because, like I said, it's that those little details that made it stand out, those little details that they wouldn't have had to do for kids, that keeps adults interested in it as well. It's just that yeah. little sign of quality and, yeah, uh, people appreciate that. And then we had, what, more games first films? Was that Arkham... Asylum come before? Yeah, Ark- the first Arkham game came out before... Well, I mean, there was the the Nolan movies and stuff that were all fairly... They were around the same time, were they? Uh, there's a big jump between the first one and the rest, I think. Yeah. Well, we can jump over to the, the, the Arkham games as a, as a follow-on from the animated series because they did the smartest fucking thing they could, which is keep on all the voice acting talent. Uh, that they could keep, and it was so—it's so funny because it doesn't seem like they should have. Arkham Asylum was two thousand and nine, and Batman Begins was two thousand five. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't feel like it was two thousand five. No, it doesn't. Those 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 two came out, and there was a big jump between them and the next installment in each of their series. Uh, but for the for Arkham Asylum. They changed up the style. They made it a bit more gritty. It, it's a really nice uh, superhero. It's a really nice video game style in that, like, all the characters are big and everybody's this big kind of fucking ridiculous muscled character. Yes, the idea that Batman in that game is crawling through vents and like <laughs> actually doing anything sneaky is so fucking ridiculous. But they made the entire world match it. All the bad guys, all the henchmen are fucking massive. When you jump up and hide on something, it's hundred. It's like nearly 30 feet up and it's on a giant stone gargoyle. Everything looks as big as you and as imposing. So it kind of works. Um, everything looks dirty and filthy. Everything like they, they really got away from the, the cartoon or even comic book styles and did a really... A style that kind of followed on from the, um, the Batman Begins movie. But like they just made something that was... Um, kind of scary like everything looked as terrifying as it would if it was real life if there were insane people running a, an asylum um, and like you did such night like the, the TV with the Joker or the Joker with the TV on his head and all those kind of bits um, because they were able to go a bit more realistic with it looked really terrifying it wasn't done as comedy it was done as like this this place is fucking mental I think that's quite uh, good though because as you were saying like they kept the voice cast and i think it's it's mm. it was a nice it was timed very well because they were able to basically like they were able to recognize people will know these voices because they grew up watching the cartoons this will feel like batman for them straight away because it's the same people it's the it, it's a it's the natural progression so it's like we've matured like sorry like uh, like the people and the fans will have matured so let's mature the style of the game Let's mature the style of the story and that, like, and you're able to, like, that go more realistic and go a little bit more kind of fucked up then. And I, like, you, I absolutely believe that the people doing it, like Mark Hamill and stuff, and and Kevin Conroy, like Kevin Conroy was doing Batman for thirty years. He he he, he was doing it in like 
going on and on. I think some of the other ones might have felt a little bit kind of you know like eh, we could be we could be um, we could be finishing up with this. We don't need to keep doing the the stuff. But the idea that they were able to do a more fucked up version of it and a more over the top version and basically we want you to come in and do the stuff that you're good at doing, but we want you to take it like as far as you possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, like, and, and it works. And like Mark Hamill has said that he absolutely adores doing the Joker. It, it yeah. is just, it's, he has so much fun doing it. You can tell it's fun. Like, he does it. And then um, uh, Arlene Sorkin does uh, Harley Quinn. And it must be such a fun, those two characters must be so fun to play. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the first Arkham Asylum game, uh, it was. They, they, the changes that they made and the things that they did like making Batman a grappler making him the, the fighting system and that um, kind of the stealth the the, first, the the fact that he can't kill 10 people at once that he kind of has to kill one person at a time but it's not quite stealth it's picking people off one at a time it feels more like you're playing the, the predator rather than and like a proper ninja it is someone who is powerful but is just biding his time rather than somebody who needs to sneak through an area because they are not powerful um, the the battle system that suited Batman so well, uh, and suited the kind of ridiculously muscular character that he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, no, go on, go on. Oh, just the the only gripe I have with it is every single new game them having to take away all his uh, gadgets again. That's Metroid Syndrome, though. I mean, they, yeah, it's the whole thing of um, <laughs> they they do it less in Arkham Knight. In Arkham Knight, it's more a case of. Uh, a threat, a new threat arises that is already like has a backdoor into his systems and knows how to take yeah. them down. So they know the natural counter. So he's like, okay, my standard tools don't work. I need something new. It's not a case of, oh, I've lost all my standard tools. It's like, mm. these are no longer getting the job done. There, there's a bit in maybe the same in Arkham City where he has to remember how to throw someone. Like he has to remember his fighting moves and shit. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, no, Batman knows how to throw someone. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, whereas in like in Arkham, in Arkham Knight, they kind of they didn't do that. It was the whole, like I said, it was the whole thing of, yeah, you've got all those toys that you had before, but none of them do shit anymore. You need to like, yeah. you need to step your game up. And it's like, oh, okay. So the, the it's not a he didn't get depowered. It's just the enemies matched. It's the arms race thing, which makes yeah. more sense, and it makes me feel more kind of like, okay, yeah, this works. And um, just you mentioned there as well, like Harley Quinn. Um, so again it's something that just the odd viewer might not know so Harley Quinn is the only character in it that originated from the TV series she she was created specifically for the animated series and, I did not know that yeah and she was so popular that she then was transitioned over into the comics and eventually into games and films but she was created specifically for the um, for the TV series so the Joker has a has a right hand man, so to speak. To to yeah, and there was also um, they did it in uh, the same thing happened with the animated X Men series from the nineties as well. The character of Jubilee was created specifically for the the TV series. Sparkles, um, one of the most powerful mutants ever. Yes, because um, that's her doing nuclear fission, though she doesn't realize <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, so it, it was just one of those things I thought was quite interesting that like she's probably. She is the, the the character that blurs the lines in the Batman universe, and that she's mm. she does do good stuff as well. I think in the comics, in one of the comic runs at the moment, she's currently in a long term 
uh, lesbian relationship with Poison Ivy. Yeah, Harley and Ivy or something is just the name of the comic. Uh, and they they always seem to be hinting out at the covers. I've never read the comic, no, no, but like no, no, now that you say it, they're in, now that you say that they're in a relationship, I was like, oh, good. So that wasn't just clickbait. That no, is no, actually no. them. No, no, and it's actually done. It's it's kind of treated as a like they um, at this point like it, it's it, Harley is still doing the whole kind of she just wants to have a laugh. She wants to have fun, mm. and. Poison Ivy is still trying to be like, look, I'm doing what I'm doing to try and preserve nature. I don't, this is not like if they get in my way, I'm going to deal with them. But like Harley's the one who's like, yeah, but we can have a bit of a laugh while we're doing this. Like, um, but like I said, like she's always been kind of that, that kind of gray area where sometimes she'll help the good guys. Yeah. Sometimes she won't. And it's, it's the, the unpredictability. Um, and it's it's very interesting that like she's become one of the most popular characters in the Batman mythos, and she was created. She never like she, she was she made it to the comics. I think three years after she showed up in the TV series. Right, right. She do. It is such a fun character of she. Whatever she's doing seems to be for the laugh. And like, if she does something good, it's because she was just hanging out with the right people that time. She didn't take it upon herself to do it. It's because what are you guys up to? Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, sometimes, and it's more like in the injustice thing, they they go into it a bit more. But there is the whole thing in injustice where, because the Joker gets killed, she wants to stop Superman. She wants to get revenge. But then, mm. when Superman becomes a dictator, essentially ruling the world, she's like, "No, this is wrong. People need to be free. People need to have choice." Yeah. And she realizes that, like, yeah, okay, I can see why this is, you know like I know I've done some bad shit in the past but this is something that we need to we need to stop and uh, you know joking aside let's actually get this dealt with like and it was yeah. it was interesting to see it was a nice little kind of a character development thing um I didn't until years and years and years later see that scene from the animated series where she hops up on the joker's desk while he's working on something and asks him if she want if he wants to rev his harley and he just pushes her off the desk <laughs> and like years later, I was like, "Huh, oh, I'm really glad I didn't see that. It would have been re- weirdly formative for me." <laughs> there was also, I think, there's a, I think it's in one of the comics because they actually started a comic line where the art style was done to match the cartoon series, and there's right. a bit where it's like they're coming down off a of zeppelin, and he has Harley, Batman has Harley over his shoulder, um, like tied up, and the yeah. thing explodes with the Joker on it, and she's like, "Pudding." And like as uh, the Joker and Batman's like, I think at this point he probably is, and it's like Jesus, man, he, she, he just died. Like, give it a rest. Yes. You know, <laughs> Batman has no chill. So yep. it was. Oh, Batman um, has very little chill. No, 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 no. It's. Uh, I love that. I love that meme where his belt. <laughs> All those pouches and no chill. Uh, I love that meme where it's like just every time he shouts at someone in the Nolan movies, it's like. Where is she? Where's the detonator? What have you done with her? And then it just comes up on the screen. World's greatest detective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, like there was. I think there was also a. Um, it might have been an outtake or something, or it might have just been like a piss take that he did on some show. But there's a bit where it's like, uh, it's uh, you know, like Lucy Fox, like anything else, Mister Wayne, and he's like, "Can we fix the ears? I can't hear a thing. Apparently, I'm shouting a lot." <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> that was great. Being able to hear the volume of his own voice, he's just roaring <laughs> like. And I was like, yeah, it's a nice little touch. Yeah, it's good. But um, and and uh, but yeah, the the uh, there was actually just so around the same time as the the Nolan sorry not as the well just after the Nolan films started, 
and around the same time as the uh, the games came uh, came along, there was an, another animated series, and it's just called The Batman. Now I did mention it before, where they they didn't use Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, anything like that. They redesigned all the characters. They're a lot more stylized. It's very kind of it's kind of a weird influence of kind of the style of art that was on Teen Titans. Okay. You remember yeah, the yeah. Teen Titans cartoon and um, kind I, of I some remember, anime chibi style in a weird way. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's not chibi. I remember just, all the web comics and everything going that style uh, in the early noughties because clearly there was, a, there was an anime chibi kind of influx that was happening. Manga Studio was probably cheaper than Photoshop. Yeah. That's probably all it was. Um, but the like in in the cartoon, it's it's there's elements of that kind of chibi style in the side in like the size of the eyes and stuff like that. But it's actually it's only for like overemphasis on certain points. The majority of it is just kind of more sleek and stylized. And mm. so again, it's sticking to a having a kind of a very distinct um, aesthetic, like the original Bruce Tim series was. But it's not Art Deco. It's more. Japanese influence than that, and um, some great voice acting in it, some great character redesigns. Some, I mean, um, the there is probably like one one of my favorite uh, Batman stories of all time is the whole thing where um, the Joker is sitting there watching TV and he's got a lot of newspapers and he's seeing all the chaos and it's all being blamed on Batman. He's like, something, someone must stop this. This man is clearly ruining our city. And then next to all, you see the Joker putting on a shitty-looking Batman suit. And he's like, <laughs> he's going through, but, but Batman has been infected with laughing gas, with the Joker gas. So he's trying to come up with an antidote. So they run into each other, and Batman's cracking all the jokes, and Joker's like, this isn't funny. You're going down. And it's like, and like the Penguins look at them both going, what is wrong with you, pair? Like, it's, he's in the middle <laughs> going, this is too weird. And there's a bit where he goes, this is too weird, and he just leaves. The Joker's like, oh. the, the Penguin's like, nope, can't deal with this. And he just leaves because the pair of them were too fucked up. Like, uh, but it, I don't know. I, I mean, I liked it. One of the things they did quite well in that, I thought, was the the Joker in that version of Batman could go toe to toe with the Batman. Right. So it wasn't just a case of, oh, I'm always, I like it, it was. Yeah, I can try and outsmart you, and sometimes I will, but you can't just win by beating me up because he because I, I can I can swing a dig as well as you can. Yeah, I like I like the kind of burly versions of the Joker sometimes, but I do like the the skinny, all I have is my henchmen and my plans version as well. And I liked, at the end of Arkham City, at the end of Arkham City, there's a bit where the Joker is forcing you to fight, like, monstrosities or something. But he's also in the, the arena, he's also around. And you can swing a dig at him and stuff, and you will knock him out with a hit. But if you get knocked down, he's got a stiletto knife, like a little thin knife. And if you get staggered at all he is on top of you in a second and he will start just giving you digs and it's so funny to see small amounts of your health coming down but he's so violent and horrible and rat-like and just like getting these in and i really love that they put that touch in it doesn't do a huge amount of damage to you but it keeps the joker in the fight and you realize that like all of these machinations that yeah that he he has all these machinations to try and fuck with you because he's not a very powerful man but if it comes down to it he'll still do it (laughs) yeah yeah, it's every opportunity, and it's yeah. But then, yeah, so we had the games. The games are quite good. I, I, I particularly like Arkham Knight. I would recommend. That's quite good. There's, there's a whole thing, and again, we're coming into spoiler territory here. So, they essentially, 
killed off um, Batman. Oh, sorry, killed off the Joker. Mm. He bre- Batman breaks his neck um, at the end of City. And there's the whole thing where um, at the very start of Arkham Knight is him getting cremated. You have to press and hold the trigger to fire the furnace to burn him. Mm. And when you start, like he's still got the grin and his eyes are closed, and then the music kicks in, and it's like a kind of a cheesy show tune type thing, and there's flashbacks to the point where he's like walking up to to Arkham City where he's walking out with the dead Joker in his hands, and all the cops are like, "Holy shit, he finally did it!" But you've um, Batman has been uh, gets hit by Scarecrow gas, and he starts seeing the Joker. The Joker will keep on just randomly appearing throughout the entire game and talking to you. And it's that whole thing of it's the surprise thing. You, you'll you rotate the camera. You'll be standing in an empty room and you'll mm. rotate the camera in such a way that the camera will be on the left-hand side of Batman, will go behind Batman, and when it comes out the right-hand side, the Joker's now standing there. And it's seamless. And he's mm. just... It's, a, it's like he becomes this... Like the best director's commentary of all time because he's just tormenting you the entire game. There's bits where he's in your car and he's talking to you while you're driving, like, and you can't get rid of him. This this is where I come back to the idea that Batman as a character is clearly like completely insane, and that he's collecting different psychological maladies and different psychopathic psychopathies and things. That he knows that when he's been hit with uh, scarecrow gas or he's been hit with various gas and things, he's collected enough information that he thinks he can deal with it. Whether he can or he can't is another thing. But he's like, no, I, I think I know what's happening. I think I know which direction I need to keep moving. We can still work with this, even if I'm completely fucked and I'm seeing things. I've, I've studied this enough to know where I'm going. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, I mean, and it just kind of... It, it, like, there are moments all through that game then where you're like, oh, I don't know if that was Joker gas or not. What's going on? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, you know... But it's, all I think of, it was quite all a of the games playing that well. I think it was quite a good finish off to the whole series. John Noble did a great version of the of uh, the Scarecrow as well. Um, mm. But so then we come to the part where we're going to argue with the yep. Nolan films. So for the, for uh, we've talked about this off topic, we've talked about this off recording device, but I maintain certain things about the Nolan series that Johnny does not agree with, to say the least. What? As as an agent of chaos, I have to like the joke. Like the Joker is to me one of the the best characters of all time, and I I I love delving into his motives and delving into the idea of chaos as a as an entity. As if these are, if these are gods, then he is Discordia, the god of chaos. He is just this ridiculous creature. Um, and I and I like the the Scarecrow as well. I like I like the Nolan Scarecrow. I like um all of the the characters going around it. And I have no primer for Bane. All I knew about Bane was that he was the big Mexican dude who breaks Batman at some point. So when so when so when Tom Hardy is it Tom Hardy? It comes on and starts doing his he's got his tinker coat on, his Del Boy. He's got the, the thumbs hooked in and starts doing a a voice that I really feel like someone should have stepped in. A voice to, that was based on a guy who was essentially king of the tinkers. A guy who there's documentaries on him. And he yeah. was like the bare fist boxing champion of, of the English and Irish Tinkers for fucking decades. And it's all based on him. I would have preferred what was the um what was Javier Bardem's character in, in the Bond movies where he was just this weird not not from anywhere but like weirdly tan dude who was just from another country. 
I feel like that's what they're trying. Yeah, I think I feel like that's what they're trying to do, but they just hadn't. They they didn't even land on what continent this dude should have been from. See, this is the thing. So yeah, so so for, for, those, for our listeners, a, my, my so he's contention a big is my contention is that Bane is the best villain of the Nolan trilogy. Right, and part of that is down to as Johnny was saying, he doesn't have a frame of reference for Bane, but I I do because like because I grew up with the comics and you know like the there's a lot uh, like Bane shows up a lot over say the last 20 years from when he was first introduced and he broke Batman over broke Batman's back over his knee hence the bit at the end of the fight with him where he picks him up and basically snaps his back over his knee that's a complete nod to that and it was the cover of it I think it was Batman issue Nightfall yeah it's it's the Nightfall series which is when he introduced I think it's issue 498 of the Batman run could be 499 but 500 was when the new Batman suit came in, which was a horrible mistake, and thank God they avoided that. But anyway, um, but yeah, so it, like, the thing about him is, is that he's uh, he is meant to be yes, physically Batman can't um, can't really take him down. So in the comics, he has this thing called Venom, and it's a drug that he takes. And when he takes the drug, it basically it's PCP and steroids mixed together. He hulks out in the extreme, and can like. You know, like rip car doors off and and, and throw them at the people and stuff like that, and use them as shields. Yeah. Um, and they've avoided that to a degree. It's in in the films. It's more, it's the the respirator is what's keeping him alive, and there's something in there that's just you know. And he's just because he was raised in hell on earth. He is this, and he like you well not raised, but he was there for so long, and he survived it. And he survived the whole place turning on them. He survived the plague. He survived the doctor trying to fix him. He survived the League of Shadows. It, it was this whole thing of he is just again. If if every villain is a personification, that like the version of in the film is on like, or has like a driving force personification. In the mm. film, he is the will to live, the will to survive, the will to get the job done. And that's the whole thing where, like, all those dialogue, all that dialogue where he has, it's the whole victory has defeated you. It's such a great line for summing up Bane because they're the polar opposite of every time Bane has tried to do something for trying to better himself as part of a cause or or even like just as a, a, a human being, something has gone horribly wrong. Now, it doesn't explain how he got to the prison, but he tries to protect the child and the whole prison turns on him. But he survives. He fights through and he survives. So the doctor tries to fix him, but fucks it up. And then finally when the League of Shadows come to rescue and to clear out the prison, they bring him in. But Ra's al Ghul is so embarrassed and ashamed of what has happened and, and Bane is such a forcible reminder that he excommunicates him. Even though Bane was like wholeheartedly committed to what the League of Shadows wanted to do. Yeah, but the Joker sets fire to a pile of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, you win. No. Yay! <laughs> but it's it's that whole thing of like he is he is the guy who just never gives up. Because guess Batman what it, is meant to be the oh I never give up. But it's like but you keep fucking winning, so of course you're not going to give up. I I genuinely think my issue with the Bane character is that the Joker doesn't have a past, and that works so well for me. And that any time they try to do like to the point that he's an un, he's a very literal unreliable narrator about his own past in in one movie. Whereas whenever they try to do Bane's background, it is the equivalent to me of seeing Batman's parents die or something like that. 
I kind of don't care. Like well, I, don't, I don't, I don't care. His that's where you came from. Background through the film is not his background. It's Talia's background, and mm. Batman assumes it's his and just gets it wrong. So it's you only see his at the very kind of last minute. Yeah. And yeah. she sticks the knife in and she tells him what's happened, and you realize it's like okay, so she overcame the fear to jump to make the jump and get out of the thing, but he overcame twenty times as much as her. And it was, look, it's the whole thing of whatever a woman can do, a man does just more, right? But no, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's that whole thing of it's, it's, it's brute force determination. And you can even see it. There's the whole thing of, like I said before, like, so he gets in the fight with him, with Batman, and kicks the absolute living shit out of him, breaks his back and all the rest, brings him to the prison, dumps him in the prison. And there's even, the, he's talking to him and he's like, no, I'm, 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 I gotta, I gotta break your spirit first. You gotta know what despair is. I have to completely crush you. It's not good enough for me to beat you because I know I can beat you. I have to break your spirit. And then when he goes, but, there's a moment where he goes to stand up, and he leans on Bruce, Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne cries out because his back has been broken. Mm. But the fact that as Bane goes to stand up, he can't stand up without that. He cannot stand without putting his... Oh, yeah. Away. He is he's an already broken, broken man talking to a newly broken man. But that's the thing. He's already broken and he's still fucking annihilated Batman. Like, it's this I, whole demonstration of, like, you are in your peak. Like, you at your peak, you will not be able to take me. And that's kind know. of a... I, I really like that about him. Like, yeah. His, like he still his, only dies because he gets shot with a fucking cannon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's... I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is that gets me about Bane that it, it, I don't, maybe honestly, the the Nolan Bane just doesn't seem at home in the in the Batman universe or something to me. It is his terrorist ideals are just a little bit too close to proper terrorist ideals. His, I, mean, I, I like, I think I mentioned it before, but I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Where there is a story that very much influenced the third film, mm. um, and that's called No Man's Land. And in the broader DC universe, there was a major disaster. It was averted at the last minute, but there was ridiculous amounts of damage done. And then a massive earthquake strikes Gotham. Mm. And basically fucks the entire city. And America can't pay for the repairs for both. So they basically declare Gotham and Oman's and they're like, we're not responsible for that anymore. Because we have too much other shit that we're trying to deal with. And if we accept that as well, and we respond as our constitution demands, we're fucked. So they yeah. basically cut it off. So everybody comes in and claims their own areas. And they cut. They basically carve up the city. And there's t- tons and odds to it in the film. And, um, like the whole thing where they're drawing the Batman symbol with chalk on the walls to kind of mark mm. the roots. There's a whole thing where as the different group gangs take over the city, and every as you're reading through the book, it's five graphic novels, and as you're reading through it, every two or three issues... So yeah, every graphic novel has six issues. Every two or three issues within it, you'll get a new version of the map because territory is being redrawn because somebody took oh, a block nice. off someone. And it's such like a, Risk Legacy. It's nice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, the, But there's a whole thing where like Batman comes back and reestablishes the myth and it's him letting a guy shoot him and getting up and just walk, shrugging it off, draws his thing on the wall and then walks away. And that's the, that's like in the film, it's the him, you know, like the flare. You know what I mean, and, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it, painting it onto the bridge. Bane is one of the main bad guys in that, 
And when Bane shows up, Bane is like, yeah, like like Bane shows up. I think around book four, book five, and there's a lot of build up to it. <laughs> the Joker does the Joker does something to nearly top the Killing Joke. Like to top, right. yeah, like to top like, the, the the crippling of so Barbara okay. Gordon. So we'll, we'll go for spoilers again. He kills Gordon's wife. Ah, ah Jesus! Jesus he makes Gordon choose between all the babies in the city or his wife. Right. Oh, I so mean, because he, he's like, oh, this is the perfect time to go fuck with Jim Gordon again, isn't it? And it's like, I love the the Joker didn't know it was going on for a little while. Like two days later, he walks outside and just sees like people screaming past and like gangs and stuff. He's like, oh wait, yeah, that thing. Yeah, it's like it's it's a very fucked up moment, but it's um. So there is basically he shoots her, and when he shoots her, he's not smiling. It's that whole. They even do the whole kind of similar scene where he's standing there and he's half in shadow. But it's not mm. the whole him in the tourist gear with the camera and the gun and the grin. It's he is straight faced and he's shooting her and she's holding a baby. And he's basically blowing her head off as she's standing on the doors to the orphanage, basically protecting all these kids. So, yeah, there, there's a whole like fucked up arc. There's a great bit with Two-Face where Two-Face puts himself on trial. I like that nod in, in um, was that in? Rises where uh, Killian Murphy's Two Face was the judge for, uh, yeah, he was sorry, Killian Murphy. Yes, sorry, I'm I'm mixing those guys up then, but yeah, the the Scarecrow as the judge was a nice little moment. Yeah, yeah, and he even has his little kind of frills on his shoulders at that point, almost the feathers coming out and stuff, like because his suit's a bit fancier, like. But yeah, yeah the, in 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 um, in No Man's Land, there's a great scene where. Uh, there's um so montoya the the police officer who's one of the ones who betrayed and uh, who was like working for moroni in uh the dark knight yeah she's actually a good guy in this she's not like corrupt or anything like that and she's one of the characters that kind of is recurring all the way through she's like jim gordon's right hand uh, yeah you know right hand all the way through it and there's a bit where she has uh, she goes after two-face and Two Face is gonna like just wreck the place, and she's like, "No, you used to stand for justice." And they're in a court, and he's like, "And it, but it's abandoned." He's like, "You used to stand for justice," and he points, and she points up at the 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 statue of Lady Justice, and it's like, "You used to follow her. She was your only boss. What happened?" He says, "You know you've done horrible things. Why don't you put yourself like you need to account for that before you can make anyone else account for it?" And, and he was like, "No, you're right. You're right." And he puts himself on stage, and just the layout of the pages is quite well done because it's divided in three vertical columns. The left-hand yep. column of the page is the two-face part of the face. Or, sorry, it's the Harvey Dent part of the face. Right. The right-hand column is the two-face part of the face. And the middle part is a short transcript of the pair of them talking and cross-examining each other and stuff. And he eventually finds himself guilty and turns himself in. It's just, it's a really well-crafted thing. Mm. Like, it's the actual, like, I think it goes on for five or six pages. And him dealing with himself is harrowing almost it's just like this is such good writing but it's all of that like and and like when bane shows up like they've dealt with the joker they've dealt with the penguin they've dealt with the with two-face and all the other lunatics that have shown up over the course of the the previous four books and then when bane shows up batman's almost broken he's just like oh, i can't keep doing this and again it's that whole thing of bane's like yeah i've already look i've got your number just don't even try like there's a point where but, uh, but that's, says, that's where the... Batman says that he ignored Bane for so long because he was he was like he's going to be the hardest one to deal with 
and that's why I, think but it's, I just think the films did him great justice in that in that whole thing of yes it takes a cannon it takes someone else using a cannon to kill Bane because Batman was never going to do it Batman was never going to beat him I guess it's the it's the equivalent of arguing that uh, uh, a tidal wave is a better bad guy than something like Asbestos whereas a tidal wave it's coming it's, there's nothing you can fucking do you can fire a gun into a tidal wave there's nothing bad that's happening Whereas with the the Joker, asbestos is like it's in your homes. Everyone's a little bit crazy. If 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 it if you if you if you try to take it out, that's when it gets bad. If you try to actually address it, it 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 likes that. <laughs> it decides to to fuck with you a little bit, or like a parasite or hysteria or something like that. I I need it to be a little. I I just find a tidal wave as a bad guy to be a little bit. I can't get as invested, but I don't have the history behind it. I know the Joker. I grew up with the Joker. I've grappled with my own joke. I would be interested in seeing what you think. I'd, I'd ask you to go off and read No Man's Land. Yeah, I think so. And then see what I'll you think of it. Because I think your your appreciation of the films will change. And I think your mm. appreciation of the character of Bane will change. Just because of how how like, how like intimidating a force he is. He's one of those characters, because a lot of people only know him like, visually, they just assume he's just a big, muscly guy who doesn't think a lot yeah but in terms of Bat- in batman terms that's more solomon grundy or killer croc it's not the bane bane is meant to be the like everything you can do i can do better so you're yeah. gonna have to like pull out something ridiculous to stop me he is he real life dolph lundergarden where, where he's, he's like, like got all these bachelors and doctorates but also happens to be a ridiculous muscle creature he's a master's in chemical engineering because a friend of mine has the exact same master's that's really? how you know yeah, yeah it's a master's in chemical engineering Brilliant. Um, but wonder yeah, if he's ever taken any chemicals. But yeah, sneaky Russians. It's 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 just it's an odd. Uh, I get what you're saying about the Joker. I think for me though, the problem with the Joker was that I'd seen him done too many ways before. Yeah. So I was just like, cool. This is just an interesting version. Whereas it like Bane was a character they'd never gotten right before. I think every version of the Joker nearly has been done right in to some degree. It's mm. like even go back to Cesar Romero playing the Joker in the A vaudevillian kind of Yeah, and he wouldn't style. even shave his yeah, mustache and you can see the mustache through the makeup and everything else. But he's yeah. still he it was still a great Joker. And because the Joker is one of those characters that is very fluid, like the Joker is is as much a reflection on oh yeah, he's a reflection on Batman, but he's a reflection on whoever's writing the Batman comic at that time. A lot that of the other characters are less fluid, so you get it right or you don't. You know what I mean? It's like did they did they fit with that character? Whereas because the Joker is chaos, because he is unpredictable, you can write him a completely different way from one story to the next, and it doesn't feel jarring. Mm. So I mean, when I saw it, I was just kind of like, "Yeah, he's good." I th- I still I like I think he's the second best villain in that film in the trilogy. Never mind the like you know I I think after Harvey Dent, yeah, because I just think Aaron Eckhart did such a good job of playing both sides. He did an amazing did, job, yeah. Like I think I said it before on the podcast where there's never that was the first time we'd seen both sides of it in film because we mm. see Billy D. Williams playing Harvey Dent in thing even even passing. I think he's in three scenes in total between the two films or four scenes maybe. Um, between the two Burton films we see Two-Face by Tommy Lee Jones Tommy mm. Lee Jones just having fun like just being like yeah the, fucking them I think everyone had fun in those movies yeah. yeah yeah and it's like, but like but you ne- we never see the transition you never see the thing and, mm. and that's an, another novel that I would recommend to people I think you've read it but it's a, f- a series called The Long Halloween 
So yeah, so, so the Long Halloween kind of um, Jeff Loeb is a writer for uh, DC. I think he's done some Marvel stuff as well, but he's written. He wrote a series of books maybe ten years ago. I think probably close to fifteen at this point, where he kind of went back and retreaded the origin story of Batman. So he did Batman. There's like there's like a, a year one thing. Mm. Um, the year one is very much focused around. Carmine Falcone and the Falcone crime family, the Moroni crime family are mentioned. All of the the gangster guys who show up in the in the Nolan trilogy are all kind of very prominent in this series. Mm. Um, I'd say it'd be closer to twenty years ago now that I think about it. That these books were written. It's just one of those things. It's just they don't they they've aged so well. They don't they feel timeless when you're reading them. So it's like this could be whenever. Like, and um, then the Long Halloween is is set after it's. I think it's set maybe half a year six months to a year after the the events of year one yeah and if it's about more about more about the falcones and the moronis and that but also because it's like it takes batman back to batman dealing with mafia you know what i mean it's about him dealing with villains and it's about the origins of some of these villains and there's little hints dropped at some of them and one or two of them show up like um the riddler and stuff like that uh, Riddler, Mad Hatter, and I'm trying to think who else. But a lot of it is actually set inside Arkham Asylum, and they all have the different characters like in their their prison cells. Yeah. And the kind of the main origin story in that book is Two Face. It's the full exploration of how Two Face became. It's really good, so yeah. Um, and there's a lot of kind of there's also like a whodunit thing going on. Um. There's somebody who essentially looks like they're imitating Calendar Man. Calendar Man was a really shit villain, but because he only kills on major holidays, because um, he has this weird obsession with them. But it becomes a thing where like he's in prison, he's in Arkham, but somebody's imitating him, and then they're trying to figure out who it is and all this type of thing. Art style is very, it's very stylized art. Very like you're normally talking black, white, grey, and one color per page. Mm. And it's it, but it, it suits it so well, um, very good story for for again for the origins of Batman. Um, it's a it's a nice perspective. I mean, like the Killing Joke is good. It is something I recommend people read. Don't watch the DVD because they added twenty minutes to the start of the story that fucking ruined it. Um, there's also a book called The Man Who Laughs, which is a kind of an unofficial sequel to The Killing Joke. Mm. Um, but it's it's a you know it's interesting it's not amazing but it's a nice little kind of if you like the killing joke you'll like the man who laughs but i would definitely recommend if you if you're interested if you're a big fan of the films in particular i would recommend reading year one the long halloween and then reading no man's land they're kind of the big ones that they form kind of they will tell you everything you need to know about the rogues more than batman but they also do a good job of of showing batman himself so I think that's fair. Just, yeah, if you like DC, because there's a, a few friends of mine who are like getting into comics recently, because they're just they're you know they have disposable income and they're working like yeah I want to get into re- regularly reading comics and stuff, and they're all getting into Marvel because they find DC very hard to get into because again it's the whole thing of the appealable characters, but if you find yourself reading stuff like No Man's Land, like um, Long well, you make reading. you make a good point that you can go back and read some of these things and they feel somewhat timeless. I think maybe some of the Frank Miller stuff, not so much. With there, there's a there's a fun eighty style to some of that. I, but you know what? The Dark Knight Rises, his which is kind of his his big Batman thing. I read it once and I was like, that's great. And I went back and read it then maybe two or three years later. And I was like, 
it's I don't know I think a lot of it was it, what kept my interest was wanting to know what's going to happen but once you know the story's kind of meh yeah it's not, it's not one of those ones that it's it doesn't I don't think it holds up as well like this the craft of the storytelling isn't as good as the promise of what could be at the end of the story if you get me yeah, yeah, that makes, makes sense. sense. So, um, but yeah, there's a very kind of '80s vibe off them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just but, think the, the 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 long Halloween, especially long Halloween, was one that kind of always stuck with me as being this is this is how all Batman should be told. This is you know, and we're and I've purposely avoided using the phrase the goddamn Batman. If if people don't know what that means, because that isn't distinct reference to something, look it up if you want to realize that even something as great as Batman can be written by somebody fucking awful and be shit um, I'm not going to go into it here because I'll just get very angry uh, <laughs> that's fair <laughs> enough uh, on the on the subject of the, the, the bad guys and stuff I wanted to talk a little bit about the TV show Gotham uh, I watched I think two and a half seasons of it so into the middle, middle of the third season and I r- was expecting not to like it I was expecting everyone to have a huge backlash against it I was kind of watching it just to be ready for the backlash and get in on the joke from the ground floor but I think it's super, super well done and super enjoyable. And for something that just doesn't have Batman in it and doesn't have the, it's it's like um, that's one I mentioned I like before. It's like Alan Moore doing the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. They couldn't use Sherlock Holmes or Dracula or anything like that because those are far too big a characters. They would overshadow everything else, and then you wouldn't give a fuck about Nemo or um, Jekyll and Hyde, or you wouldn't give a fuck about the other characters. Um, but they they do it really well in that it's all about Gordon uh, Commissioner Gordon as his, as he's rising up through the ranks in Gotham PD. There are those little they do the little mafia stories. They do all the crime family stories because those are the ones that you can kind of um, pre Batman. Those are the ones that seems like they would they would make a lot of sense. And then they bring up uh, the big characters like the Penguin through those mafia stories, which I think is a very is nicely done. And then you you are introduced to here is Edward Nigma and you're like ah, I see well that's great and over the course of the series people start becoming their characters and you see how but it's not flashback quick fire origin it is no no let's let's look at them let's see let's, let's really put them under the magnifying glass of what they were before then like like I said um, I've only watched the first few episodes of it I haven't had a chance to watch it all yet but um, it's something that I, I like the idea of. Um, I, I like the idea of it, but it, it strikes me as a very kind of Marmite TV show. People will either love it or hate it. They don't. Yeah. There is kind of no ground on it. It's like you're either into it and you're like, I'm, I'm fully happy to watch a series about Gotham without Batman in it, or else they're going to watch it and go, these characters don't work without Batman. It's You're going to yeah. look at it one way or the other, I think. Well, they they do something which is quite nice where uh, when the, the Riddler character, Edward Nigma, finally snaps and attacks someone who had manhandled a woman or something like that. But like clearly is insane. He's not doing this out of any virtuous kind of nature. He's he's finally succumbing to an insanity that's inside him. There's a lovely bit where him and the penguin hadn't met before, but the penguin is on the run from the mafia and gets um injured. And Riddler finds him and takes him in and like the penguin comes to sitting at a dinner table, tied and bound and everything. And like he looks around and there's all this weird shit on the walls and like big neon uh question mark outside the window where it was like it's part of a sign for something else. It's part of a um, an advertisement, but just happens to be outside the window. And the Riddler character is there. And I don't remember any of the dialogue from the scene because he pretty much just, as he's smiling at the Joker, produces another bound and gagged man who is the guy who'd been uh, beating up a woman who you thought he'd killed 
episodes ago and then like starts stabbing him to death in front of the penguin and the penguin kind of smiles and goes hmm <laughs> all right interesting and that's that's the that's the start of their little romance they have this little thing after that and you're like hey, that's really nice i love the idea that all because all eventually all batman villains team up at some point I really want to see how they met each other and what little weird psychopathic things they did to like when they see each other at a party. It's like, oh, it's this guy. I love his work. It's, he does there's, weird shit. There's kind of a reference to that in um, in the Batman series, the not the Bruce Timm one, the other one that I mentioned, where mm. they don't really work together. But whenever uh, the rogues will run into one another, there's very much like, hey, hey, hey hang on. We already agreed. This was my night to pull a stunt. What are you playing at? Like, it's almost like there's like a. I think they do it in one episode where there's like a monthly meeting or a monthly card game that they all go to, and they basically plan out what they yeah. do for the month and carve up the calendar. So yeah, I assume Calendar Man is taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the last one I kind of want to talk about is one that uh, came out after the Batman Begins, or possibly after Dark Knight, and it was an animated one. It was called Arkham Knight. Um, and it, it, I love it just because for someone who hasn't grown up with Batman and stuff like that, every time I try to join in a new thing, whether it's the games or I pick a random comic or something like that, it does feel like someone else telling a very different story because there's this mythos that goes back to when was the first detective comics were they the, the thirties? Oh, yeah. Um, like it's, it's a character who is now a prototypical character. He is something like a Robin Hood character. Like you can just say the word and everyone knows what you're talking about. Um and the Arkham There you go. Um and the the Arkham Knight one is a bunch of kids playing with Bat uh playing in the dirt and they're they're in Gotham and they all tell their own story about Batman. And it's done like the Animatrix in that it's a bunch of different stories told uh to make kind of an anthology. But every kid gets some is an unre- unreliable narrator. Every kid is telling something, and one kid is convinced he's a robot, and is telling the story of Cyborg Batman. And one kid is convinced he's a noir character, and is telling the story of like crime underbelly Batman. And they're all telling stories. At the end of everything, like the 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 last bit is a gas bomb going off, and through the bomb, like you see a tussle, and then. A Batman figure walks past, and then Kevin Conroe's voice handing a toy back to one of the kids, going, "Here you go, kid," and walks off. And you're like, as far as they're concerned, they all just met the same, but they all just met their Batman. They all just met like none of them saw him properly. They all just met their Batman. Um, it's a really nice. If it's one, if if you're recommending kind of what comics to read to get into it, I'm kind of recommending that as one. If people have uh, are looking for something slightly different to kind of tie it together, I think that's a nice. It's a nice one. Yeah, no, that's decent. Cool. Anything else you want to hit? You want to you do a 20 minutes on Lego Batman? Not really. <laughs> Not really. I mean, like, look, the, like, this is the thing. We're never going to be able to cover every incarnation of it. The thing has been going for yeah, yeah. 80 years. It's, and it's been treated in multiple different medias. The, I, I mean, I just kind of wanted to, like, it, it's, it's kind of, like, it, it is interesting how, like we're saying, like, the... The, almost the different formats how it's been treated if you look back you know the comics it's always been very much like the the each writer puts their own stamp on it mm. when you come into when it comes into the games with the games it's very much yeah you get to be batman but 
it's not like you're not playing Batman really you're playing Gotham you're experiencing Gotham and it's very mm. much Gotham becomes the key aspect of it um, and then there's almost like a, you know it, it, it's the the action RPG thing of you every character eventually becomes Batman in an action RPG I'm sure Assassin's Creed is like one grappling hook and a Batmobile away from it at this point but anyway, yep. um, but when you look at the cartoons again it was that whole thing of it, it's that style that it's very much they put their own like Bruce Tim put his own visual flair on it and it was weird to, it's always been it's always struck me as being interesting that the TV series always seems to be the most u- universally revered out of them all yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the true the TV series probably had the lowest budget of them all mm. and it's I think it's that whole thing of like he's almost become too encumbered by all the stuff they tack onto him when you go back to yes. bare bones, because if you look at the films, if you go back and look at the um, the the Burton and Schumacher films, stylistic choice aside, they're constantly adding new stuff. Here's Batman, okay? Here's Batman, and now he's got new vehicles, and here's Batman, and now he's got a sidekick, and now he's got a second sidekick, and there's more villains, and it's like, great, but every time you do this, you're diluting out Batman. Yeah. You look at the TV show, like I was saying, there's so many times where the city is just empty. And it's just, you know, it allows you to focus on it. The games work because you're focused because Batman is always front and center in the games. Yeah. yeah. And with the it's, films, it's... they repeatedly strip him of everything. The end of the first film, they strip him of his home. They burn Wayne Manor to the ground. Mm. The end of the second film, they strip him of his love. They take away Rachel from him. And he, he loses hope. He loses any will to be Batman. And then in the, thir- in the third film, they strip him of being Batman. They're like, you don't have to be him anymore. And I think it's that whole thing of if you've got to keep it focused. Yep, so yep. kids at home, when you go to write your own Batman story, keep it focused, is what I'm saying. <laughs> keep, keep it, it tight. tight. Keep it tight. Cut off all the fluff. Just focus in. Pick him. Pick one or two villains. That's it. And that's, uh, it's just something that I've, I realized over the last few months because I was watching back over all the... All the films, all the, the TV series that say over the last six months, and it was something that repeatedly jumped at me. It was like, the more they bring in, the more cluttered it gets, the more you're kind of, mm, this isn't quite so interesting. Because there is that whole thing of, yes, Gotham is as much of a character as Batman is. Yes, the villains are as important as he is. But without him, I don't think, it, it, like, it's very hard to get it to work, which is why probably Gotham, the series, doesn't gel for a lot of people. Yeah. I can see that. But that's just my ramblings, my musings, no, as, that, as I sit that, here in Arkham, scratching at the walls. That that adds up for me. There was always that long-running joke that there's one of the toy uh, Batman figurines where he's got like Batman in space, and he's just got a little strip of a thing here that's supposed to like breathe, put air onto him, I guess, or something. And you're like, there's a there's a great webcomic about it from Short Pact where there, he always does a comic book based on the toys. So it just shows Superman and Batman in space looking at each other. And Superman goes, your head's not covered. And Batman just looks and goes, Batman can breathe in space. <laughs> and it becomes a thing of, yeah, Batman can breathe in space. Why not? Of course he can. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep sticking stuff to him. That's, That's fine. fine. Sure, why not? I think in the early days of the, co- of the cartoons, Superman couldn't. He used to have to wear a rebreather in space. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then eventually Superman, Superman can, can breathe in space. space. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because if anyone should be able yeah. to yeah. Yeah. a cyborg. And... <laughs> But yeah, cool. I think that's it for me anyway. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add in. No, that's, that's good. good. And I still think I'm I'm right on Bane. And now you're going to go off and you're going to read No Man's Land and you're going to suddenly agree with me. 
I will probably do that, or I will um, stage a gigantic uh, city-destroying uh, event, and I'll see if I do it in a Bane or Joker style, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that. That sounds makes more makes more sense. Less Get less it. effort as well. Ah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been building up to it my whole my whole life. So let's see what happens. <laughs> I love the idea of people will be on the news going, no, no, now that we think about it, it's he wasn't the quiet type. He wasn't. <laughs> this, this is exactly what we would expect. It's like, surprised. I'm surprised it took him this long. So. <laughs> He's finding his voice. Anyway, cheers. Thank you. Good stuff. Have fun. But change your